Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. Altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Welcome to 171st episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And we're here to talk about a huge, huge NFC West matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams battling for what would be second place in the division. Um, just a few short days after the Seahawks took down the 49ers in one of the weirder games I would say that we've seen in a while uh, we'll come back and talk about that in a second before we do uh, please click the like if you haven't already please it takes two seconds click the thumbs up helps the show out click subscribe uh, click the little bell to get notified um, when we go live because you never know what's going to happen especially for our post game shows those vary and go over to patreon.com slash we got a couple new ring of honor members this week which is cool like I Actually, guys, I haven't even talked to you about this. I want to talk to the Ring of Honor folks about maybe we do something on the road this year. Maybe since a lot of us are going to the Arizona game, maybe we talk to the Ring of Honor folks if they want to meet us there. We take them out to dinner there. Like, might be cool. So we'll figure out what we do with Ring of Honor folks. We try to celebrate them every year, um, get together in person. There are still some spots open in the Ring of Honor. If you have not joined yet, feel free. Otherwise, just join at any level and get immediate access to the Slack channel um, where we talk Seahawks all the time. So... Uh, let me bring in the fellas. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks now where Dana is going to be absent. So, you know, 
I, I want us to, to, to cease any rumors after Evan and Dana went toe to toe in our last show. Uh, Dana is not upset. She has a planned trip. Um, I'm not going to say where, keep her privacy. She can share as she wants, but we're really happy for Dana. She's traveling around and uh, having a great time. And I think she's even at the airport as we speak. So she'll be back. But until then, you're going to get a lot of the classic four. Um, and those four are myself and then Let's bring in Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. How are you, Evan? Hey, gents, it's uh, good to see you. Jeff, long time no see. It's good to have you back. Missed you. Glad to have yeah, you. Yeah, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. You were uh, away for a little while at like the Playboy Mansion in Vegas or something. Like you had some picture of you at a big pool party. Is that what was going on? Yeah, I finally left Canada for the first time during this pandemic. And uh, me and a couple of friends made our way to Vegas and I was convinced into this party to watch football. If you guys want to Google stadium swim, it was a pretty interesting, I would have been very against going to anything like this based on how like conservative I am. But we, we watched all the games there on this giant screen that was unbelievable. And you can just sit in the pool and watch football for six hours. So it looks like a douchey kind of party when you go on the internet, but it was actually just a bunch of people having fun watching the game in pools. What's and the cover tab? Yeah, go ahead, Evan. So to get in, it was 60 bucks. If you want to rent a seat, you had to get like a minimum spend of $200 that you would put towards food. I just did the general admission, 60 bucks. It wasn't terrible. I thought it was going to be like the douchiest place on earth, but it was okay. I got to watch the Seahawks 49ers game. My head was in the pool for the whole first quarter. I wanted to drown myself. And then I found the best way to watch a Seahawks game is to get drunk and not care. And then they all of a sudden turned and Trey Lance came in and I got excited. So, okay. I want to tell anybody that can find footage. Uh, they probably have like cameras at these parties. And if anyone can find footage of Jeff Simmons at this party, especially during the first quarter of the game, I will donate a hundred extra dollars uh, to Ben's fund. So we, see don't, we don't want to urban Meyer Jeff. Like, <laughs> oh, you yeah. have secret footage out there. Just keep it on your phone. Leave it be. <laughs> oh my God. Good stuff. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Jeff. And uh, that voice that you heard, you know, so well is Nathan Ernst at Nathan 11. How are you doing, dude? doing all right doing pretty good i didn't get to spend the weekend in a pool in vegas or anything but i'm still doing pretty good i can imagine you maybe in like a kiddie pool in the backyard with all your kids hanging all over you um, new house has a hot tub so ooh. yeah yeah have you done a watching a game in the hot tub yet no but you know thinking about it now i could i could uh pull up the blinds and look right into my living room and, and watch a game from there so it's it's possible yeah, I, I think that that's going to happen at some point. I, I uh, yeah, I've become a bigger fan of hot tubs. Um, you know, people, they kind of talk about them like boats, like you kind of want to have a friend with one and the best days when you buy one and when you sell one. But then, I don't know, there's people that really love having a hot tub. So especially during COVID, I think like I, I heard somewhere that hot tubs like take a year and a half to be delivered at this point because they've become so popular. So um, this is the kind of conversation people come here for. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Seahawks, uh, fellas. I, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the 49ers game really quickly. And then, cause Jeff didn't have a chance to kind of share his thoughts and then we can move forward. I'll just start, uh, before I throw it to you, Jeff, and get your thoughts. My, my kind of feelings a few days later are, that was really weird in that 
the Seahawks like absolutely should have been in almost any other team. I feel like would have been ahead of the Seahawks by two or three scores in that first half. And it went from that to the Seahawks really, really should have won that game 28 to seven. Like that's fucked up. Like that's like really, it's it, the game script for that game was one of the most unique, weird experiences as a fan. And we've seen some weird ones, but that was like schizophrenic. So I, I'm kind of curious, like where, where were your thoughts as you were uh, drinking my ties by the pool? Uh, yeah, like I said, in the first quarter, I thought that the wheels would come off. And I thought after what we saw in Minnesota, and that was the worst first quarter I can remember, just how bad they looked on both sides. And I'm like, it's over, this whole thing. I had a tweet ready to, to leave Pete Carroll in San Francisco. <laughs> I had that ready to go. He's from there. I was going to say to leave him there. You had it drafted up, like, in but your I had in my mind. I was drunk. I'm like, yeah. okay, leave him in San Francisco. He's not coming back. I don't want to see that guy's face ever again. And then somehow, be, like you said, like, I remember right at the end of the first half, I'm, how the hell, how the hell is this a game? And I, I think it says more about the Niners than the Seahawks, to be honest, that they just couldn't put them away when really, I think any other team would have been easily up pretty big and them not having a kicker helped. And, but then the Seahawks defense looked pretty good, but also the second Trey Lance came into the game in the second half, I turned to my buddy, I said, this game is over. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? Your team looks like shit. And lo and behold, the Seahawks roll through them. But again, I think it comes back to, I didn't learn much about the Seahawks in this game other than they made some nice adjustments defensively. They showed some life. I don't know if it carries over because of how little I think of the 49ers quarterbacks, but it was nice to see the defense not look like a freaking joke. So I didn't, I like to see what they did some creative things with Brian Neal and some of the, the stuff they were doing with the dime package. It was nice to see them just not have 10 guys, like guys catching the ball with no one within 10 feet of them. It was nice for me not to see Trey Flowers play. I am not a Trey Flowers guy. I, If you've played any sport in your life and I played like hockey at a somewhat high level, there was always one guy on my teams who would light it up in practice every year. And then as soon as the lights come on for the game, they would just fold like a cheap suit and they would suck. And the guy you saw in practice just never showed up. I had a guy like that on every one of my teams. I guarantee you Trey Flowers is that guy in the Seahawks. Yeah. Where, say, Tedrick Thompson, when KJ writes like, oh, Tedrick Thompson, when there's no pressure and you're just going in practice, he's fine. But when the game comes on, so not seeing Trey Flowers was real nice. TJ Reed looks so much better. I'm not getting my hopes up too much because, again, I think it said more about the Niners than the Seahawks. And Russell Wilson kicked into gear and made some ridiculous plays. But I don't think my mindset changed on where I thought of the Seahawks. I still see them as like a 10-win team at this point, maybe 11, which has more to do probably with some of their schedule than anything else. Like I was going through their schedule today. They got some shit games coming up. Pittsburgh and Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Um, they are a train wreck. So this week will tell me a lot more, but I'm not super optimistic even after that. I am I, I am really looking forward to flying Evan up for the Jacksonville game and getting some video of him grinding on Urban Meyer's lap. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Um, no, Did you just say that about me? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Evan and Nathan, because uh, Jeff kind of touched on something I was going to ask both of you. You've had a couple days. 
do you feel any differently about the Seahawks after that game? Any differently? No, I mean, not like a lot, but any differently about the Seahawks after that game than you did before? Evan, let's start with you. Not significantly. I mean, I think it's important to recognize that the defense did look better no matter the competition. I, I think it's important to acknowledge that, but at the same time, you know, both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance looked like complete trash. So I think, I think tomorrow night's just a, a really big opportunity for this defense to show that they've turned it around. You know, Jamal Adams had that quote last week where he was like, you know, things are going to change moving forward. And uh, he was at least partially right against San Francisco. So we'll see where they're at tomorrow. Um, I think this is a big opportunity for this team to prove that they've taken a step forward and, you know, the Rams have kicked their asses the last several matchups. So my personal view has not changed significantly. Nathan. Uh, Not significantly. No. Uh, I think it's definitely changed though. Um, You know, I was a week ago when we did this and we were predicting the next however many games, you know, I think every single one of us said absolutely zero chance uh, tomorrow. Uh, and now I feel like maybe there is a small chance for tomorrow. Um, I have a little hope there. So um, I can't really point to anything that like, oh, yeah, I think they, they fixed this or this is good now or anything like that. But like, I, I don't know, a win is good and they won. And now I'm a little bit more optimistic. Yeah, I mean, the things that there's a few things that I, I, I think I, I'm in agreement with you guys. I, I don't feel much different about the Seahawks after that game. Like, I'm not that much more hopeful. Um I actually like, I, yeah, anyway, we'll get into it with the, with the Rams in a little bit, but my, my opinion that that game hasn't changed much either. Um, but there were some interesting things that came out of this 49ers game that might last. So I know you guys all, I'm sure listened to Hugh Millen's uh, breakdowns on, on uh, KJR. Uh, I know you don't, but um, I do once in a while. And um, I think it's, you know, he goes into the X's and O's pretty deep. He's, not everyone agrees with him, but um, one of the things he said that I, I found pretty fascinating was he is used to, um, when he looks at the Seahawks defense, that they play the same basic scheme and he knows where people are going to play and what their their responsibilities are, which hook zones he talked about a bunch of times, who's going to take those, which linebacker, all that kind of stuff. And so that usually is a pretty quick process for him. He said that in this game, the Seahawks made him work more than he's worked in years in reviewing Seahawks film on defense, that they were changing coverages all the time. And the people responsible for taking, he kept talking about the hook zones and I don't know that much about that. So I'm not going to pretend I do, but the point being is it's usually been the same responsibility. He saw four or five different guys taking that responsibility. And that might've contributed also to some of the confusion that we had on the Sidney Jones, um, you know, bust coverage that really re- resulted in that touchdown. But um, I thought that was a pretty interesting um, observation and maybe it's desperation, who knows, but it would be interesting if, um, if the Seahawks are changing their coverages more than they have in the past and what that will mean going forward. I don't know if any of you have, heard or read anything similar to that um have any thoughts on it but that was one thing that 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 kind of jumped out to me in in listening to some other review of the game um, this weekend okay um the other is uh you know i think there's a lot of talk about the first 
15 plays um, and the first 15 plays were five, three and outs. Um, so those are usually scripted. Seems like a pretty bad script. I think we heard some conversation about that the Seahawks spent a lot of time um, with outplay action and with Russ not under center um, and that there's a lot of change of plays being called at the line of scrimmage and a little bit more tempo. Um, I, I didn't go as much detail. Nathan, I know you just tweeted about a half an hour ago about um, how they lined up on their first scoring drive with the same personnel. I don't know if there's any observations you had from that you want to share. Yeah, that was second half. The first uh, scoring drive of the second half. Um, and, and they have a – so they just ran 12, which is two tight ends, uh, one running back, and two wide receivers. Um, and they they ran it in a ton of different ways. They ran it, um, you know, uh, just kind of like standard four wide with two to each side. They ran um, like those weird stack formations that Daryl Bevel used to, to love. Um, they ran standard, like what you think of when you think of two tight end um, personnel, under center, shotgun, um, you know, and, and they moved down the field pretty well. They, they ran the ball pretty well. Um, and I think early in the game, they, you were not seeing as much of that. They um, were trying to do, they were trying to keep it a little bit more simple. They weren't doing much motion, no play action. Uh, they were trying to actually do a quicker game, I think, but they were still getting their ass whipped uh, up on the line. And so they were getting hit and sacked. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a mess. Um, so I think, you know, as they got going and they started mixing in more of the stuff that we're used to seeing from them, um, it seemed to get a lot better. Yeah. The other, the other couple, that's interesting. The other couple of things that I'll just call out and can move on is um, I think Alex Collins was something that I think can last from that game. Um, I thought he was significantly better than the other players that have been getting um, snaps at running back uh, outside of Chris Carson. Um, and obviously Ryan Neal, I thought Ryan Neal insertion and the, and the willingness to go to dime is interesting. Pete Carroll gave credit to Ken Norton for coming to him with that idea. I feel like I I might just be totally over the, you know, this, but I feel like I hear Pete's intonation when he is trying to cover for his coaches. And, and to me, that sounded like Pete looking for any opportunity to give Ken Norton credit for something. Wouldn't shock me at all if it was Pete that was pushing for the change in that and just giving Ken Norton credit, but who knows? Um, in any event, it was nice to see that change. I think that the potential of having more defensive backs on that side of the ball out in the field um we've seen really bad coverage from a lot of the linebackers um you know and uh so i think there's promise in that um but all these things are like i, I personally thought sydney jones i know he had his two busts i i liked what i saw in general sydney jones we're going to find out if that was a mirage or if i'm crazy um which i've been in the past um and i thought dj reed looked better um where he was so um, I think there were some things that could potentially uh, be positive coming out of that game. But, I mean, it's all relative, guys. I mean, I had to reinstall Windows. Nathan, you're your Microsoft guy. I had to reinstall Windows uh, for the first time in a while and ended up going to my, my backup drive uh, to, like, find shit to, to pull back onto my machine. And... Of all things, I happened upon the 2013 prediction show I was doing with myself, Davis Sue, and Jackson Evans. It's two and a half hours. Actually, I think I'm going to put it up on 
on our uh, feed if people want to listen to the 2013 prediction show. And listening to us talk about that Seahawks team and how dominant we were in all phases of the game, offensively, special teams, defensively, coming off of 2012, it felt foreign. Like there is no part of this team, no part of this team that I'm looking at, like they're close to being dominant. And I just wanted to like, to me, it was like a, a reassessment, like a, a reiteration that I just don't think this team is that close. Um, and even if they beat the Rams, I think I'll still need a lot more proof. So I'm kind of curious, like Evan, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you feel like that this team, if they do this and then this, like you'll start to believe they can really be something great? Or do you just feel like this is, this is going to be a, no matter what, this is probably just not a good enough team. Like what's, what's your take on the Seahawks in that sense? I have not seen any part of the team outside of Jason Myers, who might be a complete dominant, you know, across the board type unit, like we saw with the Legion of Boom or, or you know, the running game in those years. Um, we should also give a shout out, by the way, Jackson Bevins, Cigar Thoughts, new podcast, Seahawks, super cool that he launched that recently. Um, check it out. But yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I want to say it's the offense, but the offense is they look really good, but they don't look dominant right now. You, you can't, we, we, I know we've had this discussion a million times over, but you can't go entire halves without basically doing anything and, and call a position group where, you know, a side of the ball dominant. So I don't know. I, that's a tough question, Brian. I, I don't think anything we have on this team resembles anything close to the dominance of that squad. Well, and Jeff, I mean, this isn't to say, I, I already see a comment in the chat. No, I'm not saying like, hey, you have to be a 2013 Seahawks to, to be a contender. That was obviously a uniquely amazing roster and team. Um, but like the Kansas City Chiefs offense is dominant, like now. Um, there are units in, in the NFL that are dominant or close to it now. Um, do you see that potential? Like, is there something where you feel like A plus B and there's a part of this team that can reach that kind of echelon of being dominant? Well, I think the receivers on the team are the biggest strength combined with Russell Wilson, but you need all three of them healthy. And we haven't seen that since week one. But it's, it's funny you brought this up because I was thinking about this today, actually. Like when I was writing and I was trying to like learn the league, I asked the personnel guy once, like, how do you evaluate teams other than like point differential? And he said, one of the exercises they do in personnel staffs is they used to go through rosters and write down, like this sounds so simplistic and it might be just football meathead stuff, but they used to write down which players on your team are playing at expectations and which players on your team are playing below and which players on your team are playing above expectations. So I started thinking about the Seahawks this year and you want a lot of your core guys playing above or at expectations. How many of the core Seahawks players are there right now? it's hard to make a list who's playing above expectations and you need guys like DK, maybe Tyler Lockett. Is that, is, am I, is there anyone else? Well, yeah, I, I know what you're getting. I'm probably not answering the way you, you're looking. But I'm saying for them to be a dominant team, you need guys like Jamal and Bobby and DK and Russ. You need them all playing above or at expectation. And right now, most people are either playing below or just under. So that's why we still see them as more of a good fringe team. Nathan, what are your thoughts? 
Um, hopefully my uh, volume is better for uh, folks who are uh, mad about that. Um, I, I think that, I mean, I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, at, uh, at above or below expectations, I think, I think there's a lot that are playing at expectations. Um, I think the problem is that no one's really playing above. Um, <laughs> am I quiet? You sound now? fine. So folks, yeah, I thought you sound like... turn the volume way down and then yell all of my thoughts. Um, we no, think so he sounds fine. Don't listen to Evan. So yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's. I don't know. The team's in such a weird place right now. I mean, I, um, but yeah, I, I think the problem is that no one's exceeding expectations. We talked a lot about guys that could grow and take this team to the next level. And obviously none of them are really doing that outside of maybe Daryl Taylor. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it looks like an exceedingly okay team that, you know, all things considered is disappointing, you know, compared to where we thought, you know, DK would be at this point and stuff like that. So can, can I ask a question on this? Do we th- do we think we need or any team needs a dominant offensive si- or any side of the ball to be dominant to win a Super Bowl? Or can both sides just be good to great? Do you need a dominant position group? Do you need a dominant side of the ball? That's an open-ended question. I don't know. I think it's pretty rare to not have that i mean the, the the giants teams are the ones that jump out to me as maybe an example of they had they dominant had a dominant D-line. defensive line yeah. was tampa dominant on either side of, like they were very no. good on both sides. other than the last game of the year they were just full. good ones yeah that's probably the best one but their offense their offense was like one of the best in the nfl the last part of the year like their yeah. offense, once their offensive line started producing and playing well, and they got Antonio Brown, and they like, they, they were, I think they were one of the top couple of offenses, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I guess it de- it depends on what we're talking about, like by dominant, right? Like, the, is if top three, right? Is that yeah. dominant? Yeah, okay. I think relative to the rest of the league, it's not to me like, do they have to be a you know, you know, all era unit like the Seahawks 2013 LOB you know no I, that that's not required but do they have to be it's really standard deviations from the rest from the 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 league the, the league year right like how much above average are they um so yeah I I look at that Giants team like those Giants teams they had like a dominant unit they didn't have a like a dominant position group but they didn't have a dominant unit necessarily I hate um, to bring this up but what about the year we lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots was there, was no, there a dominant? Probably... We're still the number one overall defense. No, was what? there a dominant group for the Patriots? Is what I'm saying. No, their offense. Any, I mean, <sighs> I think any unit with Tom Brady the last yeah. like eight yeah, nine it's... years is pretty close to dominant. Well, what the Seahawks are what fourth in offensive efficiency, but they just still don't feel right. We did. We just need to see a complete game. Yeah, they, don't, they haven't felt right. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think it's yeah. hard to think of a Super Bowl winning team that didn't have something to hang their hat on, right? Exactly. Like you can look at like the Dilfer Ravens or like, um, man, even the Rex Grossman Bears that made the playoffs or the made the Super Bowl. Um, you know, different teams that have done it that weren't complete teams, but they all had, you know, the Giants teams had that D line, right? They all have something to hang their hat on. I don't think Seattle has something to hang their hat on right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I, I mean, 
I've done such a poor job, I think, of articulating it at times, but that's why I've been so frustrated with the offense. It's not that they're bad, but like, I don't think this defense is going to be the thing you can hang your hat on in their best, like possible, like most optimistic. I don't think the defense is going to be the thing you can hang your hat on. I think in your most optimistic perspective on the offense, it could be. And I don't think it looked like that so far. And like, even in this game against the 49ers, it was like, holy shit. Like they looked like trash. Yeah. And I will give a little bit of an out. I, I actually heard an interview with Cedric Abway. He, uh, on, um, with Jake and Stacy, which is a great show. Love those guys and their show. Um, those, those folks, I should say. Um, and he mentioned that this was the first time in his career that he went, the first time he wore pads was in the game. Like he, like uh, for this, yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't played in preseason. He hadn't practiced. He in practice, they don't wear pads. And so his first time wearing pads was that first, you know, drive of that game. And he said it took him a second to kind of get up to speed, which is no, not surprising he gave up a sack early and then he steadied he actually played pretty well and the rest of the offensive line actually said Gabe Jackson had his best game and whatever I don't know where I'm going with this but um can I call out one thing on that yeah it's kind of interesting to me that we haven't been talking about Brandon Shell's absence quite so much over the past several weeks I think it's because it's been bigger I mean that's it's not because they've been doing okay without him I'm I don't know where I'm going with this all, all I know is he's in the last year of his deal and I, I think expectations and, and I think reflections on his, his, you know, his year last year, were very positive. So I'm, it's just interesting to me. It is. It is. Yeah. I just think, um, I think this offense, uh, like how big is the drop off from shell to Cedric? I don't know if we know that yet. Yeah. It's God. Am I feeling optimistic about Cedric? Oh boy. Oh boy! Did you say Agboyhi or Agboy? Yeah, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> yeah. We're not gonna go there. I I don't butcher yeah, the last see. name, so. Is he no, I mean, I is think Shell starting tomorrow, or is he starting? Tomorrow? It looks like Shell's gonna start. Thank God. I I don't think Agboyhi is that like worrisome anymore. Though, like early on, it really seemed like he was a major liability, and then he steadied mm-hmm. last year. And yeah, I thought he played well in the second half of that Niners game. So I don't know that there is a huge drop off. I mean, Seattle might have two pretty solid right tackles right now that's interesting yeah yeah agreed so yeah i mean i think i think like if you want to be hopeful about the seahawks it's not even just about finding ways to win these games i mean they won the game against the 49ers but it was a kind of a fucked up win let's say they have a some kind of crazy win against the rams and it's similarly screwed up and not necessarily repeatable that's great like it's cool and it might be fun but if your goal is for them to compete for a championship you got to be tracking towards like, what's the thing that to, to Nathan's way of putting it, where you're going to hang your hat on. And I think that's got to be in the offense. And yeah. So yeah, Brian, that was going to be like, one of my questions for you is like, fast forward to tomorrow night, say the Seahawks went in a shootout, you know, 40 something to high thirties. Okay. The defense gives up a ton of points. Does that significantly change? I know there's a lot of assumptions being made here, but does that like significantly change your view of this team? Because I don't know if it does for me. And I hate saying that, but if they win a shootout, is that what if they saying? win a shootout and the defense gives up 35 plus points? Oof. 
Like, like, how do you feel about that team from like a Super Bowl contention perspective? I that's a really interesting question because even though I think the Rams defense is is significantly regressed from what they were last year for a variety of reasons we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I do think it would be a really big statement for the Seahawks offense to be able to outscore yes. the other offense. And if you just need the defense to figure out a way to stabilize and be good enough, mm-hmm. then there's some hope. But, you know, I almost feel like it would be more concerning if they – so yeah. So what, what is what success? If they won like seventeen fourteen. How would you feel about that? <laughs> that's, that's... I might. Fe- I would feel better than a shootout win. Actually, would you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it means the defense was finally able to get within forty yards of a receiver of McVeigh's offense. Like, like they have kicked our ass on offense so many times over the last several years. Every single Rams post-game show, we're talking about how Sean McVay's receivers are running around wide open with like 10 yards of separation. If And it kind of leads into my next question is like, what is success just for the defense tomorrow night? Like how many points does the defense need to contain? Again, lots of assumptions, but how many points does the defense need to contain Sean McVay's offense tomorrow night to, to consider it a success? 25 or less. Mm, I think that sounds right. 24, 25. Brian or Nathan or Jeff, do you guys have different opinions? I'm so distracted right now because there is a conversation in the YouTube chat, but it's the super chats about Hollywood squares. It's like two or three different people just talking about Hollywood squares and paying like five to $10 to do it. (laughs) We love you. You're, you're awesome. Ben, ben Fun loves you. Please spend your money better. Please make better choices for yourself. No, no, you're making wonderful choices. We love you. Nathan, uh, answer the question. I don't remember the question anymore. What, what is success for this defense tomorrow night? Again, lots of assumptions with how many opportunities and how long the In offense terms of points is. allowed. Points allowed. What is success tomorrow night for the defense? Yeah, I think we talked about this in the post game, right? I think I think if they hold them under 30, I'm going to be pretty happy. I'm going to be okay with that. And then I think, you know, anything down in the, you know, 21 range is going to be, you know, successful for sure. Jeff? I was going to say right around the same number. I was going to say 28. Uh, I don't have a ton of expectations for this defense tomorrow. Um, Anything under 28 to me would be above my expectations, and I'd be pretty, pretty okay with that. If they're under 20, that's an incredible game. I do want to know, like, so Evan, you said you feel much better with with the low scoring victory over a shootout victory. Yeah. Jeff and Nathan, I'm curious your thoughts because I mean, I think we all just agreed that the defense isn't going to be the thing that you hang your hat on. Like, what? Yeah, what would you? What would make you feel better? I'd go the other way. I'd say the big offensive game would be way more encouraging to me because of how bad they've done against Aaron Donald historically and. With Jalen Ramsey, like since Jalen Ramsey's come to the Rams, we've not had a barely, I don't think we've had a single good offensive performance against them. Sure. So to me, if you could have a very good, I think offense is the thing this team needs to be great for them to hit their ceiling. We have not seen that yet, but if you have a great Russ or a DK game against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, 
to me, that's way more encouraging than anything really the defense can do. Nathan? Uh, I think you've, you've sold me on this hang your hat on something thing. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's more likely that, you know, a Seahawks shootout is indicative of, you know, good things for this team. Um, but I mean, if, if they come out and they hold the Rams to like 13 points and the defense looks dominant, right. And they're finding ways to get pressure and they're creating turnovers. Like, Oh, sure. Sure. Keep going, Nathan. I'm, I'm <laughs> almost there. Evan, uh, dominant your... defense, 13 points or less. Evan, Ooh. Evan, your memory is like amazingly short. It, it, it is goldfish short, as Ted Ross would say. So, like, do you remember the score of the game, the Seahawks, what they played the Rams to win the NFC West last year? Fuck no. 20 to nine. They held the Rams to nine points. Yeah, but the defense was looking a lot better then, right? Well, yeah. So I mean, I think the yeah, well, there is it's Jared Goff, right? If you do something yeah. similar to the oh. programs, then that's a bigger deal. And yeah. I think um, that was the game that just like was the last straw for McVay with him. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think I think I think we broke broke him on that one. Um, Which, maybe that was a bad thing. Maybe we should have let Jared Goff win. <laughs> they did. They just yeah. In the playoffs. <laughs> in the playoffs. I, I think <laughs> let me just let me just provide some last minute sort of logic to why I answered the way I did. I I, yeah. I think at some point I have I have almost complete confidence that this offense is going to be dominant by some time before the end of the regular season. I don't know when it's going to happen, why? but I why the Seahawks have like started off dominant last year and ended up like horrible like why no there's 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 no there's no logic outside of it just being a gut feeling like okay. I, I think they made real i think they made real improvements across the offensive line i think gabe jackson's addition is huge i think our receivers are better they're taking steps forward i yeah i i, I think this offense is going to get it together um i have a high degree i want i want you to convince me no i, I get it like i have a high degree of confidence in it i think this offensive line is better than it was last year I, I think we completely forget that Gabe Jackson was a thing that happened this past year, this past off season. But uh, if the off, if the defense can really take step forwards and, you know, become mediocre, I, I think the stars could align. I, I think they could, I'm not saying it will happen, but I think it could happen. So, so what is the thing that could happen in this game? To, we all pretty much said that the 49ers game did not change um our point of view that much about the seahawks what it can, doesn't have to be offense or defense it could be a player like is there something that if it happened in this game it would materially change your perspective on the seahawks like maybe just a big win like yeah um, I, th- I think if sydney jones has a really strong game against uh that receiving group which is stacked let's be honest um, that would be a pretty big deal. That's an obvious answer, but oh, I think it's a good one. Jeff, what about you? I'm going to go back to offensive line. I think the offensive line has been a bit of a disappointment to me this year. Damian Lewis hasn't jumped out. I don't know if it's been the position switch and fuller at center has been a guy who's been pretty abysmal before last week. And we remember him against Donald last year and he had his best game of the year against San Francisco. I know Brian, you pointed that out. 
to me, if he can hold his own against Aaron Donald and the rest of the offensive line, which to me hasn't been good enough in pass protection. The first game, I think the guards scored very poorly. And we saw how the game started last week before that second half surge. But to me, that can really help this offense because when they need to go in pass protection, they haven't held up. They didn't hold up well against Minnesota at all in the second half. And even against Tennessee, they didn't look great either. So I want to see Russell with a with the offensive line playing better. And we know how they've done against Donald. So for me, this is the biggest game of Fuller's career, maybe. And we've talked about the center position endlessly in our chat. If he can hold up against Aaron Donald, to me, that would be very encouraging. What about you, Nathan? Is there something that would that would really make you feel um different? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the offense, you know, play a complete game. Um, not really something that we've seen from them so far. Um, and so, I mean, if they can do that and the defense can, you know, also play a complete game, which for them is, you know, still probably something around average to below average. But if they could just be that for like, you know, most of the game, in which I think they mostly were. Uh, against the Niners, you know, um, you're going to give up more points to the Rams than you are to the Niners probably uh, playing that way. But if, if, if they can just look, you know, pretty much if everyone can just do what they're supposed to for most of the game, that would be cool to see. Yeah. For me, it is, it's the same two things that I thought were going to be really important for this team um, heading into the season Um, on defense. It's pass rush. This Rams offensive line has given up like three sacks on the year or something like ridiculous. They're the, the number one pass protecting offensive line in football. Um, if you're able to get pass pressure against them, um, that would be really encouraging. And here's the thing on that, guys. I'm gonna my prediction, Jamal Adams has not been used very much as a blitzer so far this season. I think that I think that this is the right game for them to use Jamal Adams. Um really aggressively um and to have the dime package and have ryan neal be garden tyler higby or whatever he needs to do i think that's the best use of jamal adams in this game and i think they just have to get pass pressure anyway it doesn't just have to be with four guys but they have to get pass pressure um that'd be one and then two i'm gonna zig where other people probably would zag on this i think an effective run game not just because i think it's important for this game for them to have uh, a good running game but um i just think this offense uh i think this offense is more reliable when they're able to get four to six yards on the ground than when they are running into walls the way they were to start the game um uh, against san francisco so you know does not mean i want them to run it all the time but when they're running it I think being effective doing it, I think uh, would be important. I thought the difference between Collins and Carson in this last game were a perfect dichotomy of like what this offense can look like when you have a running back that's being effective and when you have a running game that's not effective um, um, for the offense. So those are the two for me that would be um, encouraging. Because I I mean, I already have confidence in a bunch of the other stuff. Uh, Do we want to pause and take some patron questions or does that sound like a good call? And we'll get into some other stuff after that. Yeah, real quick, people are asking about Chris Carson. What's uh, what's the overview on him? Yeah, so I, I, I know, Jeff, if you've heard other things, I, I've listened to a couple comments on it this week. He hasn't practiced. Um, Pete Carroll's press conference said 
it is a chronic neck issue, um, which is not a good thing to hear. Um, and that it's just flared up and they don't know if he's going to, to play or not. Um, my guess is he won't play and they'll play Alex Collins and give Chris Carson's neck a full two weeks. The same way, I think that there's a chance that DS Gridge could have played. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing. And I think they just looked at it and they're like, let's just be cautious and take the extra week to make sure he can get ready for Pittsburgh. So at this time of the year, I just think they're being, they're being extra cautious with guys. Jeff, did you hear anything different? No, that was the exact read on that. He didn't practice at all this week. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he played with a neck injury on a short week. And he frankly, he wasn't very effective last week anyway. And, but if Collins, who's the bat? Is Homer the backup running back in Dallas? Is that you all they Dallas. have? Uh, it's practically Homer though. I mean, is yeah. Dallas even getting snaps anymore? No. So, the, but the way the CFD, their running back position a little odd. So they have their first and second down backs that, you know, that they have. And the rotation there has been Carson, then Penny, then Collins, then Dallas. Um, I'm sorry, Homer who? is their third down guy. He has not played on the first two downs other than in the year that everybody got injured in 2019. Um, and then who was that second name you said in the first and second down rotation? <laughs> he is this mythical creature, a first round running mm. back taken ahead of Nick Chubb, mm. um, who has had his face tattooed on nipples of people on the show. So um, people act like I never followed through with that. There's an image on it. the internet of it. You yeah. can prove it right I now. I literally like, tweeted it publicly. You're going to you're gonna make it Nathan's background image any minute. Um, so uh, to distract Nathan from that task, um, do you want to pull up the patron questions? Sure. Um, first, I'm going to pull a super chat question. Charles Riley, uh, the uh, start of the Hollywood Squares uh, conversation, uh, regular super chat donor. Um, he wants to know... Uh, whether it's wise to put $600 on the Rams money line to win uh, in the hopes that he can get some all season radial tires. Uh, what do you guys think? Is that talking about making good decisions and sound investments and being wise with your money? Would you recommend Brian, that? Brian is a serial gambler, so he should answer this question. So, so this is the Rams are actually last time I checked their favorite by one and a half. I'll have to go pull it up um, again, but this is taking a money line bet on the Rams winning. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, there's so many reasons you should bet on the Rams. One, they're more likely to win. Two, it's a great jinx. Um, and uh, you will be potentially contributing cosmic karma to a Seahawks victory by uh, putting your money out there. So absolutely. I, I'm going the other way. $600, you're, you're almost there to good tires. Just, uh, you know, be smart with your money. Don't, don't bet it. Don't bet on football. Uh, the Rams are now two and a half point favorites. They have been the, the lines all moving. The money, That's all a big the move. Going there, yeah. Does that change your advice then, Brian? No, I mean it's a money line bet. Yeah, it's a money line bet. Like you're not going to win much. Um, you know, by Wait, money by, line uh, means you get the points, right? No, money line means they just money line them. means that you're not taking the points. Oh, you're but, just taking straight up. So if you're taking yeah. the favored team, then you're basically like, yeah, you're getting less money on your bet. So he should take he should he should give up the points and he should and give, give up the points. Hell yeah, yeah, that seems like a better bet. Yep. Okay. Uh, we are we are not uh, financial advisors or 
<laughs> Stocks and betting is volatile. You cannot blame us. This is our disclaimer. Thank you, Nathan. Um, okay. Uh, DJ Burnett wants to know, what is your biggest concern about the team that could lose us the game Thursday? Uh, and what are you most confident um, in the team that could win us the game? Um, uh, Jeff, what are you most worried about? What's your biggest concern that's going to cause them to lose again? Aaron Donald. It's been the same story. I think if Aaron Donald goes in the Hall of Fame, this whole reel will be Seahawks clips because they haven't had the interior line to block him basically since 2014. And even through Jeff Fisher era, he's embarrassed us. And now we all think center is the weakest position on the team. So that should be fun. Um, but Aaron Donald basically destroys everyone. So I, that's why I think Brian mentioning the run game is Shannon's had pretty good success sort of running away from him and neutralizing him. But this is where Shane Waldron has to make his money. He's, I don't know what you guys, how would you evaluate him so far through the first quarter of the year, but coming from the Rams, practicing against him every day, knowing that team inside and out, this is where he really has to help. So I think the thing I'm most confident is having an offensive game plan to attack them because that's sort of why, a big factor why Shane Waldron is here and where he can help. And if they look the same as they always look against the Rams, it's, it's not going to be a great sign for Waldron's upside and why he got this job, because frankly, it's been pretty up and down so far. And so I think that has to be the most thing you're confident in is Russell Wilson, because he's by far the only thing on the team you can really hang your hat on. A quick, just aside on that, like, I have to give myself shit about this and come back to it. Like early in the season, preseason, even I was like, we were talking about how long would it take for Shane? You get worried about Shane before you get worried about Shane Waldron and the offense. And I said, after game four, because I was like, it's going to take time for them to settle in. And I completely like have set that aside. I've been totally pissed about it, but given that they didn't play in the preseason at all, that's probably the most optimistic twist I would put on the Seahawks overall performance is defense. The problems have a lot of been communication alignments, like some of its talent for sure, but um, offense offensive line has not been in unison, not been in sync, heard a lot of different criticisms from a lot of different people, Ray Roberts, Dave Wyman, uh, Hugh Millen, like a bunch of different folks are, have, have had that point of view. So maybe they've had their preseason now. And maybe they're going to start rounding into form. Um, so that, that might be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, all right. Well, I was going to go back to you on that, Brian, for the thing that you're most confident. So setting aside that, that like there could, there could be growth, right? Um, yeah, maybe the password shows up and that would be cool. But like based on what you have seen from the team, right, what we know about the team to be true so far, what, are, what gives you the most confidence that this team could, could win tomorrow? You know what? It's not about the Seahawks. That's the thing. I'm looking, I'm looking, searching my brain. Like offensive line, maybe no. I don't know. Like running game, maybe. Um, I guess if I was really to stretch, I would say it's Shane Waldron. And the reason being not because of how they performed so far, but because he comes from the Rams and there may be something that he brings either the offense or the defense um that helps now i immediately my head counters that of like sean mcveigh is going to i i think he's going to out battle shane waldron um in those kind of strategy games but um 
maybe that's the one thing I would say gives me the most confidence that something different will happen. Yeah, what gives me the most confidence is um, the opposite corner against Jalen Ramsey is David Long Jr. He got absolutely picked apart by Arizona last week, uh, assuming Jalen Ramsey is going to follow Metcalf, which has been historically, you know, the precedent and consistent with that. I think Tyler Lockett's going to have a huge game. Um, I think he's the key to Sunday or Sunday. I think he's the key to tomorrow's game. Actually, I think Lockett has a big game and, um, you know, it's funny because one of the under sort of talked about storylines of this game, and I, I recognize it's just four weeks, but the Rams defense has not been anywhere near what they were last year. They were ranked by multiple advanced metrics as like number one, number two in the NFL last year. Um, right now, depending on which advanced metric you pick, they are like bottom five to 10. So there's potential for exploitation there. And I think um, Russell and Lockett could take advantage of it. But one other thing I'll just say real quick, I would love to see Metcalf just silently dominate tomorrow's game. I want to see a cool head from him, especially going up against Ramsey. And just to see him dominate would be encouraging. I get so much satisfaction out of how often Evan's giving a like earnest take on something and Nathan is just shaking his head. <laughs> what well, was so funny about what I said? Boomer. Boomer. What, Act like the... you've been there before. Just hand the ball to the ref and go back to the huddle. No, no, it's like it's like talk shit if you're dominating, fully support it. But if you're not dominating and you're talking shit, you can go fuck yourself. Like you're garbage. <laughs> Like you're garbage, like be good and talk shit or don't talk shit. Um, all right. Well, that actually uh, rolls right into our next Patreon question from Z-Ray. Uh, he says, uh, DK is so aggressive with his attitude. He doesn't show that with his catching ability. Uh, seems like when it comes to contesting catches, it doesn't high point or attack the ball, uh, negating his physical advantage while his DBs continue to get uh, past defense against him. Um, I'll kind of take some of this and then we can get other answers too. Um, I don't think, I mean, it, I guess, yeah, he is not super strong at the point of attack. Um, I think his, his biggest issue is ability is his ability to high point a ball. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from kind of being hilariously bad sometimes at timing his jumps. Um, like that, that just gets real ugly a lot. Um, I don't think we've really seen that so much in his ability to like adjust to the ball or, you know, get under it. But when he needs to go up and get it, uh, it just doesn't come all together. And that's not really a size thing. It's just the coordination thing, probably more than anything. Um, uh, but that said, I mean, he just isn't a great catcher of the football. Like, yeah, if, if there are guys around him, they can get into his arms and stuff and, and make it hard on him. Um, I don't think he's like bad there so much as I think, you know, you, we probably expect more of him and he gets a lot of opportunities. And so there's, you know, DBs are getting their arms in there and, and breaking those balls up. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that his ability to time and go get a ball, you know, get up in the air and get a ball is, is uh, not a, a strength of his. It's just a shame because his route running has gotten so good. Like, mm-hmm. He's just like, that is the one thing. Like, uh, I don't know. We don't have to get deep into this, but I'm trying to think, are there examples you can think of, of players that got in the NFL and got better at catching the ball? Like, I don't rem- That's not a skill that I remember people like getting better at. T.O. had a really bad reputation for drops. Roddy White had a really bad reputation for drops. 
Devontae Adams caught like half of the balls that were thrown to him his first year. Um, and people were starting to write him off as a bust uh, real early. So there is, um, I don't know the details enough on like whether those were warranted or what all the deal was there, or, you know, where they were missing their catches. But yeah, it's not impossible to see a guy get better uh, catching the ball. Um, that said, you know, when it comes to physical stuff, I still firmly believe that players don't change. So I don't think you're going to see DK get any better at timing his jumps to go grab a ball over a like, like you said, Tyler's way better at it. <laughs> and it's not a size thing, right? It's just how, how you, you attack the ball in the air. Uh, um, Aglor is another good call out. I think somebody just mentioned that in the chat. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still not a very good. No, he's a quarterback that isn't the worst. Like, yeah. isn't No, he definitely had hands issues. Like, he's improved. He's not elite, but. Because Russ throws a very catchable ball. Like, that's, that's not, it's definitely not a quarterback issue with DK. Now, DK uses his size, though, amazing in, like, you know, getting off press and, and getting separation. So, like, his size is still a factor. Like, it, it absolutely helps him. He's big and fast and strong, right? It's just those contested situations or those high point situations where he's not as good as you probably think he should be. Um, okay, last one. Um, Evan, this is for you. Uh, KDB wants to know on a scale of one to 10, 10 being a twisted knot of nerves with piston running down your leg and one being chill and calm as a monk. Uh, how anxious are you about this game tomorrow? Really not anxious, actually. Um, I don't mean to be a downer, but I'm expecting a loss. Brian and I were talking about this uh, pre the podcast. I, I think there's like a 30% chance that Seattle wins this game. They probably shouldn't win this game. I think the Rams are the better team, but uh, I, I mean, if they win this game, it'll be a very nice, pleasant surprise. And depending on how they win it, I may get very excited. So my hopes aren't up, frankly. Okay. But when they're lining up for a Jason Myers field goal down 30 to 28 with like a minute left, where's your anxiety meter meter then? Complete confidence. You saw how the Niners looked without a <laughs> kicker last week. And I just want you to know, you should be more grateful. They they literally didn't have a kicker. Correct. Yeah, you you're be right. Gra- I, you should man, be grateful that Jason Myers has a pulse. Have a- <laughs> you, you should be grateful that Jason Myers has a pulse and is alive. Uh, yep. Okay, that's it for Patreon questions. Yeah, I mean, thank you, Nathan. And for folks who want to get their questions answered, uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger, get immediate access to the Slack channel, and every week. We ask for patron questions and we go in there and do our best to answer them as much as we can. So it'd be great to, to have more folks join the join the crew. Uh, yeah, I, I want to hear you guys, your, your odds on this. Like I'm giving the Seahawks about a 30% chance of winning this game. Like that's, and Evan and I talked beforehand and we both are at the exact same numbers. I'm going to spoil his, his, you know, he and I have been at about 30%. And given that that's not a lot, I'll say like the, the formula, the script that I see for winning is short week coming to Seattle action, green jerseys. uh, And I can see the Seahawks getting the running game going, getting the offense going. And if the offense, I feel like if the Seahawks offense plays well, I feel like they'll win regardless of how the defense plays. I feel like there'll be enough plays made that they'll win. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, tell me why. Because I could see the Rams offense making that many more plays than our, our offense. I, I just, 
I don't think the offense, so, so to be more clear, I don't think the offense can play well for a quarter or two quarters. I think the offense has to play a complete game, which they. So you're saying really, if this, if the offense Seahawks offense plays a complete game, you said you're saying they'll win. I do. I think that okay. they'll win. It doesn't mean that they score 60 points, but you know, I think they have, they absolutely have to be scoring more than 28 points. And I think probably more than 30 points to, to feel good about this game. How many points do they have to score to win the game? I think the minimum is, is probably going to be, you know, high twenties. I, I cannot see them winning this game with less than 28 points. I think they have to score 31 or more to win this game. I really do. I don't even really feel comfortable at 31. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, what's, what's your percentage chance the Seahawks win this game? It might even be a little lower than you guys. I might be like 20, 25%. I think they're better coached. I think they're better on offense. I think they're better on defense, but I'll say this. I don't know if you guys caught the chargers game the other night and watching the chargers just play that scheme where they're just so dominant in coverage and it brought back how good the Rams were last year with Brandon Staley. And you were, you just realized this guy was like a once in a lifetime kind of guy. And the chargers had that exact scheme where like the Seahawks, when they played them last year, just couldn't do anything offensively. We're just passing the ball seemed impossible where they had that safety, John Johnson, and they had that corner Darius Williams. And then you watch the Rams play the Cardinals and it looks totally different. Brandon Staley coming out of there is a big deal. And yeah. you've seen what their defense looks like. The Chargers look like the best defense, best pass defense in the NFL last week. And seeing the Rams just get torched, they sort of looked like front runners. So I think there is a way to beat them where you have to sort of have the lead, play ahead of them, be physical, run the ball. And they sort of looked like when they got down, Matt Stafford looked like the Detroit Matt Stafford where he was forcing stuff and he was making mistakes and not good on third downs. So if they don't look dominant defensively, I think the story changes. But right now, just the reason I'm pessimistic is I just think the Rams are uniquely built to beat Seattle. I think because of what Donald can do to Russell Wilson and because of what Ramsey can do to DK and how limited that leaves them, it's hard for me to think Seattle's going to win the game based on how iffy they've been defensively. But watching the Cardinals just go in there and just kind of kick the shit out of them at home. And frankly, the Colts almost kicked the shit out of them, and we've seen how bad the Colts are. So there is a path to beating them, but it's just every time the Seahawks play the Rams, I just assume we're going to lose. It's almost easier to watch. I'm sort of with that, what Evan said. Like, usually I'm terrified before these games. I'm almost a one out of 10 in terms of like lack of nerves. I just, I'm not worried about it because that's what I expect to happen. But this is not the Rams defense from last year. They looked unstoppable as a coverage team. And we've learned a lot about Brandon Staley through what he's talked to the media about. And you've heard some of his clips of how unique this guy is and just seeing what the Chargers did to the 3-0 Raiders. They're different. They're not last year's team. Two quick things. Chargers, easily the team that I would root for just because of their jerseys, their unis, like the best unis. Holy shit, especially the powder blue. Um, and then also another reason for some optimism, that little bitch Johnny Hecker is having a bad season. I hate that fucker. And I hope that somebody lights him up. He's averaging under. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. I'll explain in a second. But uh, he's averaging under 39 yards per punt. Um, so I, I get joy out of that. Uh, Nathan, what's your odds on the Seahawks winning this game? 
yeah, so uh, there's a, a cool uh, NFL prediction game. Lee Sharp made it. Um, you can find it at nflgamedata.com. Um, and you go in every week and you put your confidence on uh, every game. So, like, uh, if you think that there's an 80% chance that the Packers are going to beat the Bengals, you, you slide the slider over to 80%. Uh, I got really... I was a chicken when I went to do this for the Rams and Seahawks game. And I only did 55% for the Rams. So I guess that means I think there's a 45% chance the Seahawks win. Um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have a good reason for it. Um, other than I think Pete might've rope a dope does um, the early in the season um, after the Vikings game, me and Evan were talking on the post game show, and I was like, "This is just weird because they're always dumb and they always do stupid shit and they always won." And so, why not now? What has changed? Uh, and then they come out and they look like complete ass against the Niners, and then they win. And there's all of the, you know, Russ is what like he has the best uh, win percentage on Thursday night. Uh, they've never lost in the Action Green, and you know, Pete Carroll's teams are just. They're dumb. They're dumb, and they're kind of assholes sometimes. <laughs> like, they have no business to win this game. And the Rams should come in here and just, like, really put this division, just make it a two-team race. And the Seahawks are going to ankle bite them, I think, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I just I, – all the dumb stuff here points towards Seattle. And, like, Pete Carroll has, like, a plus 10 on dumb shit rolls. So, like – <laughs> to really get nerdy about it so i don't know I, I just i think they could see hawk it up and come out come out with the win on this one. i think does that it makes sense does it make sense that i think there's a 30 percent chance the seahawks win but it would not surprise me if they won does yeah. that make sense yeah it does yeah it does nothing they do can surprise you at this point <laughs> like all available options are are on the table here all right so um Let's go quickly around and get predictions. We'll probably we might have a couple more comments and a couple more things to talk about. But since we just did odds, uh, Nathan, what do you, what's your prediction for this game score wise? Uh, so all that said, I guess 28, 27 Rams. Mm. Okay, Jeff. I'll go 31, 23 Rams. I'm going to go with 31, 20 Rams. Okay. Uh, 2817 Rams. How's a yeah? I do not think we have ever done a show where all four of us picked the other team. Has that ever happened? I don't think so. I don't think so. So that's a pretty good shot that the Seahawks are going to win. Um, there's just like not a convincing argument that the Seahawks should win this game, they could. But there's just not a convincing argument that they should win this game. Well, so if this game happened in four weeks and the Seahawks had put three or four good games together and looked like a different team, then I, I totally think that there's sure. an argument to make. It's not, I do not think the Rams are unbeatable. Like she clearly showed it last week. I don't even think the Rams are as good as they were last year. I totally I think they're a better offense because of Stafford, but I think we've talked about they lost Staley. They lost Troy Hill at nickel corner. They lost 
uh, John Johnson uh, at safety. They lost Michael Brockers, uh, who I think is a big part of their run defense and their defensive line in general. They lost a bunch of guys. I think that overall the Rams aren't as good as they were last year. And I don't think they're going to go that far. I really don't. Um, I think there's teams that'll beat them. I just think the Seahawks have looked really mediocre overall. And there's been no consistency on any side of the ball for even three quarters of a game. Um, we talk about the Indianapolis game. Like it was great. The offense was barely doing anything. The second half of that game too. Like it, it was kind of a half game. So I don't know. I, I just I, think, yeah, go ahead. Evan. I just feel like most of us don't, I, I feel like I can say this. Most of us don't feel confident in who the Niners were. Like, like if we fast forwarded, you know, three or four months and you told me the Niners end up, you know, with an eight and nine record or even a seven and 10 record, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I don't think they're that good. So I, I guess a win from last Sunday is great, but we also shouldn't forget how they looked in the first half. So well, and they, they, they beat a one and three Colts team. They beat a, um, yeah. And they beat a Niners team that we like, should not. And they lost to a one and three Vikings team and what a two and two Titans team. That just lost to the Jets. Well, they didn't have Julio or AJ, so it's a little. Yes, bad. but I like being irrational. Yeah, so. yeah, fair. Well, listen, they haven't looked good. And the thing with Seattle is, if they can get through this game, their next little bit looks pretty light. Like, have you guys seen Pittsburgh play? They look like trash. Like Ben is just Ben looks like Eli at the end of his career, where it's just like painful to watch. And then we talked about Urban Meyer and the Jags, and the Saints got crushed by Daniel Jones. Well, that's the Who's, thing, Jeff. Like, if they win this game, let's play that for a second, right? Let's play that that out. I think the the likeliest scenario is the Seahawks end up six and two. Like, I agree, and then they still have Detroit, Chicago, Houston. Yeah, just for just for uh, shits and giggles, um, Seahawks schedule. Sorry, I just looked at this earlier today. So they play the Steelers. Um, and then they play home against the saints, which I think is, it's a, it's a, I think it's a Monday night game, but it's a, it's definitely a primetime game. And then the Jaguars at home. I think that they might be, if they won this game, I would expect them to be favored in all three of those games. Is that, uh, yeah, for sure. Did you guys agree with that? Yes. And then they go at the Packers, um, who, by the way, the Packers are, they've got some challenges going on right now. I think they, I am going to that game, and I'm so excited about it. Wow. Yeah. I hope it's worth going to. It'd be cold as shit, but yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So anything else you guys want to cover? I mean, this well, is, you want to talk about Stefan Gilmore at all? I was going to wonder about that. That was a big story today. I know all our feelings are the same. Might be weird to not say anything about it. Jeff? Uh, yeah, it was obviously disappointing to see the price he went for, considering it was the same essential price that Sidney Jones went for, but it was less. It was, oh, yeah, Jesus it was, Christ. It was just, it was disappointing that they never really saw in the mix, but just digging more into it, it seemed like they were sort of controlling his market. And it seemed like he wanted to stay either in Carolina, where he played college football and grew up, and then Green Bay was the other team they were looking at, which is 
closer to home and well, you know care. what? Yeah. So it's Sorry, disappointing that they, but it's also, I think, looked at a bigger picture that I talked, me and Brian and Jake Keeps were sort of talking today, where it's almost been five years in a row where they have to go into these years. And because of these bad offseason or roster decisions, they have to keep making these trades where first it was, they had Tedrick Thompson and they had to trade for Diggs. And the year before that year, they also had to trade for Clowney because Ziggy Ansah was a, who knows what that guy was. And then last year they had to trade for Dunlap because their pass rush was so bad. And now their left corner situation is in flux. And now they would have had to trade for again. So, and Sheldon Richardson the year before. So that's what five years in a row they've had to keep doing this. That is not a sustainable way to build a team. I don't know. Yeah. Those in-season trades are all right though. They are, but it's just like, can you keep relying on that every year? I think you almost can. I mean, you have to be smart about it, but like, we do. We talk. I mean, it's it, so it was Diggs three years ago or two years ago, Dunlap last year. Gilmore is available this year for to trade for, right? I mean, I I don't think it's actually uncommon to to see guys like this come available. And Jalen Ramsey was an in season, wasn't he? Yeah. Now that's one where they had to, you know, they paid a ton. That was, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I actually don't. Well, that's hate a good me. argument. That's a good count to be. It's it's the it's the Sheldon Richardsons, the Jadavian Clownies, the Jamal Adams, the Percy Harvins, right? Thought he was good. Ones. He's good this year. He's got three sacks. Yeah, should have brought him back. He wouldn't come back. That's that's just a fan thing. Is like this. That's the thing with me and Gilmore. People can be as pissed as they want about the Seahawks not getting Gilmore. I don't think there was a. I don't think there was a scenario where the Seahawks get Gilmore. Now Jake keeps, you know, we're going back and forth. He's like. You don't know that for sure. If they had given the the Patriots like a fourth round pick, you tell me that they wouldn't have done that. Well, maybe they maybe the Patriots would have, but would Gilmore, you know, sign? Would he like you're basically making sure it's just a one one season thing if he's adamant that he's not gonna play with that team the following year and that he wants he already said he wants an extension. Like I just think fans oversimplify it. I'm a fan, so I'm not like trying to say I'm better, but I just think we in general as fans oversimplify that stuff. I don't think he was an option here. I really don't. Um, and so I just, and I also, I think Stefan Gilmore was not that great of a corner when he was in Buffalo. He absolutely was fantastic for a few years in New England. And then he was not very good last year and he's coming off a serious injury. So that plus the fact, I just don't think the Seahawks, let's say Stefan Gilmore was, pretty good maybe not defensive player of the year good but pretty good i don't think that is a massive change to this team's trajectory right now i think there's questions everywhere on this team right now i don't think any of us are massively disappointed by the gilmore news it's it's the combination of the entire process at cornerback over the past six months so it it's just it's just piling on that doesn't feel good but i i think Nobody here on this podcast is super upset that they didn't get Gilmore. It's just, again, it's their entire offseason process. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it was Schneider's old right-hand man that's making these moves where they've traded yeah. a lot of draft picks and they got Gilmore, they got CJ Henderson, they trade for Darnold. It's been really interesting to see how he's been sort of on his own. By the way, as I saw a question in the chat about Akella Witherspoon, I checked on this this week. I think he's got all of like five snaps for the Steelers. I was just trying to pull him up real quick. And one he got like crushed on a deep ball. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bad crush. Yeah. Weird uh, career. D. Eskridge uh, is another topic I meant to at least bring up. How concerned are you guys? Um, I, 
I can't remember the last time there was a player that had a concussion or, you know, brain injury of some sort that was out this long. Um, and it makes you wonder if like, he's okay. Like, okay. Okay. Well, and how much does this mean? Like if he gets back, how much is the likelihood that he's going to have this as a recurring challenge? Yeah. I think that's the concern. Like I, it's, it's weird because when the NFL first got, you know, more serious about concussions and they had the concussion protocol and all that, it, it wasn't uncommon at all for guys to miss a couple of weeks because of a concussion. And you're right though. It does seem like that's gotten more rare. Um, so, I mean, obviously this was a pretty serious one. I wonder if, if this hadn't been a Thursday night game, if they'd managed to get him to go or not. So I think that's, that's something there, but um yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a thing where you can start to get – this can become a recurring issue. Um, so I think that, you know, hopefully he gets right and can play again. But, yeah, it's kind of scary about what this can mean for the rest of his career. Well, Jeff, I mean, the most optimistic thing might be in the past they would have rushed someone like this back and then it would have made it more likely to recur. Maybe they're being super cautious and that makes it more likely he'll, you know, be fully recovered and, and healed. Um, yeah, so I think this next week is really telling. Where if he can make it back after this ten-day break, I think that alarms red flags. Because I I think the conventional logic is that's why he's sitting this week because it's a short week, and they probably say, okay, whoops, we've been okay without him. Freddie Swain's been fine. We can get back. But if he's not back by the next week, and that's four straight games, that is very worrisome. But I can sort of relate. I've had I don't know if you guys have ever had a concussion at all where it's, it's a weird thing where like they keep saying that like he seems fine and he seems fine and then he's the next day it's just off and like I've had a concussion before in the last like three years and it's one of those things where you feel you start to feel fine and then the next day you like you feel like your body's missing and it's a very frustrating it's like a demoralizing experience where I it just seems like the ways Pete is talking about him is similar to what I experienced where mm. You just start to feel, and it's just like, it's mental. It's really a mental struggle where you start to feel, you're just, you don't feel like your body's not there. And it was uh, the hit on the turf, right? It, yeah, it was... you guys had slammed pretty hard. Okay. And it's just unfortunate because he's an older player and getting the, getting these good years out of him when he's young and he's missing all this time. It's just, it's doesn't make the draft process look great. I it. think they're taking the right approach though with him. They are. Like, they are. like you you don't fuck around with this stuff. No, after having that myself, I have a new, I don't have an appreciation for how tough it is to come back from those things. So yeah. Good call. Should, yeah. They should be as cautious as possible. But again, if he's not back by week six, there's a lot to worry about there. Well, it sure feels good. Not having uh, the third ranked center in the NFL um, on a rookie contract. Uh, so, uh, and that is not a criticism of D injury. It's just a, uh, it always makes me think of that pick. Um, all right. Uh, anything else, fellas? Uh, you want to call out, Evan? I don't think so. Um, go Seahawks. I'd like to see my favorite football team win. That'd be fun. That'd be nice. It'd be nice. I don't want this season to, to, to end prematurely. Like, it's just not going to f- – like, here's the thing. Like, I'm just – none of us, I think, are expecting a win tomorrow night, but, like, if they lose, it's going to suck. It's not, it's not going to feel good. <laughs> like going, starting the season two and three is, it's not good. So 
there, there's different ways for this game to feel bad though like they you can play a great game against yes another good team and lose right um and so i mean that'll still hurt and suck but you know hopefully that's what we see and not whatever the hell brian predicted this game to be it's just it's just if you're if you're shooting for the nfc west title and seriously competing for you know division title it, it yeah. becomes difficult being you know two and, and three behind the cardinals so well, yeah if, if they lose tomorrow i i can't see really a scenario they win the division yeah i think they're probably more realistically a wild card team anyway if they're going to make the playoffs at all mm-hmm. i see them as a wild card contender that's how i look at this team i, I don't think they're going to win the division so if they lose it doesn't kill my hopes because i've sort of lost that thought already Oh, I, I mean, I've been I've been super negative, obviously, about this team. But if you beat the 49ers, even with the things we talked about and the Rams in four days, given where this team was, that's a big deal. It, it like is. That, I, we cannot exit. The, like, if that happens, we cannot exit it thinking like, eh, like, that's a big deal. And then knowing what we just talked about, their schedule you maybe get a DS Gridge back, you know, maybe Sidney Jones starts to solidify that. Who knows, like, how that starts to come together. So if they win, there's no way I'm like, yeah, they're they're limited to wild card. I, I, what are I, the chances three weeks from now they're 5-2? and two? Oh, I mean, I'm going there. I'm tomorrow, going there. So like, well, we I'm going there. We all, you have them 25% chance to lose. I know. I know. But I'm just saying, what are, the chance, that. what are the chances they're five and two, three weeks from now? If they win, I think it's like 80%. Oh God. We got to shut down this podcast before I get excited and optimistic. This is bad. All right. All right, it's, everybody. It's a big game. It is a big game. Schedule their schedule. The next three games is light, and they're all primetime games. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, like we've all said, I don't think we're anticipating a win, but I think we all could imagine one happening. So uh, hopefully that happens. Man, it'd be fun if it did. Uh, and let's just, if anything, let's just hope that they don't look like shit against the Rams. Like I, I went into, I have to admit something. I went into like a 49ers, like uh Twitter space, uh, like a couple days ago, just to listen to what they were talking about. It was actually fascinating. Like we broke that team. Like they were like the, the fan base. They were just like, I don't want to see Jimmy G another second. You know, Trey Lance needs to be in there. I don't, I, he looked like crap a little bit, but at least he did something. And, you know, that play that Russell Wilson made, I mean, he's that guy. He's a Hall of Famer. And even though they started that game really well, you know, you just can't expect to hold a Hall of Famer down. And, like, they're just broken. Like, and I don't, <laughs> don't want to be that. I, I was that after the Titans game and through the, the Vikings game. I would like uh, I would like to have optimistic things to talk about. Um, so let's see, man. You know, a lot of the intangibles, as Nathan said, are on the Seahawks side. Uh, let's see if they can turn that into a win. It'll be fun. Gerald uh, Everett we- still has more touchdowns than George Kittle on the season. <sighs> Jesus, George Kittle got destroyed that game. Um, so give us a like if you haven't already. Um, would love that. Subscribe. We're over 7,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We're growing and growing and growing. Would love to have more. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. And over to patreon.com slash Join the crew. 
There are some Ring of Honor options left. We great to get you in there. We're going to plan something fun with that group. And if not, just join and get access to the Slack community. So come on over, growing by leaps and bounds. It's a good group, good people having good conversations. Uh, yeah. With that, I'm going to say good night. Go Hawks. And thank you to Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons, and Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. And uh, au-, au revoir to. Uh, to Dana. Hopefully you have a wonderful trip. All right. Take